Well, the dead cat bounces, but it's a noisy and confusing picture for investors. I'm Nigel Cassidy, and this is Market Storm. Well, joining the sage of Primrose Street, Neil Wilson here at Markets.com. Hello. It's uh, a man whose idea of a good breakfast is a wad of RNS announcements, a financial <laughs> orbit, Chris Bailey. And heaven knows we could do with a strategy right now, or a strategist. And we've got Mike Ingram, Chief Investment Strategist of WH Ireland. So, Neil, maybe it's my imagination, but some signs of nervousness on the US side. Uh, they started this trade war, but in terms of autos, as we speak, they seem to be rowing back. And there's just sort of news flashes across the wires all, all the time and uh, conflicting. So one minute they're saying we're slapping tariffs on this, this, and trade talks are going nowhere. And then you get a, a flash saying we're doing X, talks are still ongoing, it's all fine. So I think the, the thing at the moment is just that the market seems to be moved by these news updates and Trump's tweets and so on. So it's a bit of a tough place to be, I think, at the minute. That auto tariffs news that came out on uh, Wednesday that was that was a big one because you know the markets were were red at the time and the DAX was was well off and and shot higher and ended up they all all the European indices ended green for the day the US markets ended green for the day and Michael there's a kind of feeling that maybe all this is bringing on something which is already there beneath the surface with all those amber recessionary signs. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the market's certainly feeling quite uh, twitchy at the moment, and it's quite interesting to note that in a recent asset manager survey, suggests that institutional investors were actually hedging their portfolios quite aggressively. I mean, you know, the, so that I look at, you know, it's been going Bitcoin on. For, and lots of well, I think there might be a slightly different story there. I'm not quite sure that's a safe haven um, issue. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the Bitcoin but, in a minute because it yeah, is interesting. But, but, but yeah, I mean, look, I think that for now at least, um, we have seen some softening, softening of growth forecasts. The US has been pretty much the last one to I would say roll over, but that it makes it so more dramatic than it has. I mean, you've got about something like a quarter point taken off this year's forecasts. But a further slowdown expected going to 2020. There are tentative signs that's finished, at least for now, maybe with the, the most recent developments, if indeed they are developments in US-China trade, maybe we'll see another bite taken out of those. Uh, but and, and at the company level, you'd say overall, you know, if you look at the, again, forward estimates for earnings per share, and we know, yes, they can be massaged and whatever, but that also, that's, that was down about 3% from where they were at the start of the year. And that, that seems to have troughed out. So you'd say the numbers are actually looking a bit better. But, you know, as, as has been mentioned, I mean, you know, a lot of the news flow, a lot of the headlines being generated are unhelpful and markets keep getting whipsawed all the time. But if this trade war does continue to deteriorate, there's a lot of talk about the second order effects if the US and China get into a fight. And I know, Chris, you yourself have been tweeting about the possibility of China withdrawing from US treasuries. So what's the significance of that? What we're seeing is, again, this highest grade game of poker between one player who has got his eyes focused on 2020, the presidential election, that, that's obviously Donald Trump, and then the Chinese who have sort of different time zones. They don't have elections, clearly, but they're trying to change and reform their economy. So, you know, they don't want things to get too far out of kilter. But, you know, there are a couple of other curveballs in there. I observe that this latest round of tariffs, the new round of tariffs, are much more likely to impact American consumers in terms of higher prices. 
that is not good for things like the trade-off on Federal Reserve policy between interest rates and inflation. And obviously Trump wants lower interest rates. That, that could cause some problems there. You then, as you say, Nigel, you've got the treasuries. Chinese uh, have pushed their, their ownership of US treasuries down to a two-year low in the last set of numbers recent couple of days ago. You know, was that deliberate? Was that them just nudging the Americans? Uh, or was it benign, benign neglect? Who knows? But, you know, there are many, many aspects here. Uh, my feeling is that we're moving towards this big G20 summit in, in um, Osaka in Japan in June, where clearly Trump and Xi could meet. There's lots of lobbying to go until then. It's not going to go away. You know, thank goodness that we're going to have some Brexit and European parliamentary news and take it off the front pages. <laughs> and of course, Neil, the plain fact is that if Mr Trump, if he were to go ahead with all the new tariffs that he was promising, I mean, he, for example, could end up paying an extra $160 for the iPhone that he uses to do his tweets on. I mean, this is serious stuff for the US. If you impose a new tax on Chinese televisions, then mm. that's paid for by Costco or Walmart or something. It's not paid for by the Chinese, though I suppose in the longer term they sell less tellies. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's sort of portrayed like the Chinese are paying the tariffs, but of course they're not. This is a US consumer who's, who's... The US consumer still seems pretty resilient. I mean, the, the retail sales data was, was softer than, than expected, but I think annual growth is still at th- over 3%. So... Um, consumer spending at nine growth at a nine-year high the latest PCE numbers the US consumer is still pretty robust but we just don't know what what the impact might be if they do go ahead with these 300 the extra 300 billion dollars of tariffs as well then then you could see that sort of inflation pressure I guess but I don't think the Fed I think the Fed's probably going to look through that for a while I mean, it's it's said it's can take an asymmetric approach yeah. anyway. Well, so I think you know yeah. Yeah. They, they, they might do. I guess though the trouble is is that particularly thinking in the political sphere, I think the Fed are unlikely to do anything in the run up to the twenty twenty election. You know that, that's where it does get over mm. overly political. But we saw the RBA was didn't hike in and May. Elections coming up. Australian so, yeah, elections yeah, this weekend, yeah, and they yeah. didn't do it for that for that reason. I'm absolutely sure. We've seen the Bank of England do something you know not dissimilar too. And I think the trouble is is that we know that trade wars are ultimate lose loses for everybody. It's better off if they try and strike something and then move on. As we've kind of seen with the new style NAFTA deal, where, you know, you're starting to see again further signs that there may be some progress in the legislation on that just because Trump's got to get it through in order to claim a win and try and sort of get that kind of good, feel-good kind of backdrop, which yeah. allows the 2020 election win to become a possibility. Yeah, but it's starting to go to get to sort of pain threshold now because, you know, those 10% tariffs, it came in an environment where US companies were getting their tax bills cut. So it was something they could relatively easily absorb, uh, particularly since those tariffs would target more of the sort of you know, down, down, down the value chain. This is a much bigger tariff. There's no, there's no base effect on the tax tax cut to you know absorb that. It's gonna, it's gonna pump up inflation, and of course, it comes at a very awkward time. We've had this, you know, massive pivot from the Fed this year. Yes, it could well be that the, the Fed's going to be very, very hesitant sort of in raising rates. But you know, I looked at the figures again this morning. We're now the market's now pricing an eighty percent probability they'll cut rates this year. Yeah, so there is plenty of scope for disappointment mm. if the inflation numbers don't uh, don't behave themselves. And Neil, meanwhile, the pound under pressure this week. Yeah, well, I think you know the Brexit's come back <laughs> with a vengeance this week, and um, <laughs> just because the market's twigged that these talks between Corbyn yeah. and May are completely pointless. <laughs> There's been a lot of pressure. I mean, it's been sort of bouncing around the 130 mark um, against the dollar, and then it sort of fell through 129, and then broke 
128.6 that was the sort of key support level and it sort of has, has come off that and it's, it's now I think it's now trading around that level so there's no real reason to be buying the pound at the moment and, and we've seen that hedge funds I think it was it Blue Jade saying that they're short, actively shorting the pound now so I think the hedge funds are starting to short it again so and also you know if you look at global risk-off type play the pound's a bit vulnerable to that and I think the dollar's going to pick up, pick up a bit Chris does that have a feed through on the FTSE? Uh, it, it should do, yes. I mean, we've we've seen the classic sort of movement between a low pound and, and high performance of exporter shares at various points, referendum, etc. And of course, the reverse if the pound recovers. The trouble is, though, is that many, as kind of Mike intimated a, a little while ago, many of those strong exporter stocks, um, they're, they're wrapped up in the global earnings season. And ultimately, if there's been a little bit of disappointment, if earnings growth has, has come back, then this can also be an influence. It's not the pound. The, the FTSE 100 is not just a pound play, even though it can be a big influence. For me, uh, we're, we're moving into fascinating times. We've got the European parliamentary elections in in, in about a week. Um, we've got the 3rd of June, I think, being cited for UK uh, politics to maybe have another go at um, at Mrs May's bill in the Parliament, whatever that is, fourth, fifth attempt. It's like Rocky movies. Um, it is. <laughs> but, but, you know, a, a bit like them, they kind the of peak, they, they sort of peak <laughs> after one or two and kind of their sort of reiterations which aren't as good, you know, four or five times around. So, you know, big old times. No wonder it's impacting the pound a little bit. But all I will say is that um, in that fund manager survey already mentioned, at least the UK is right at the bottom of the list yeah. still, yeah. which means that at least people are a little bit yeah. pessimistic. Deeply unloved. The only, yeah. way the, the, only, the only thing I would also add to that is, you know, you've got this, you know, vote in Parliament, supposedly the week of the 3rd of June. You've also got uh, the National Conservative Association meeting mm-hmm. and vote of no confidence in May on the 15th of June, which, we you, you know, we know which way that's likely to go. So I would say that vote doesn't go through. On the, that, that week of the third of third of June, I don't think the mathematics have changed at all. So I think it last one failed by fifty eight votes. I think, and rather than face that vote of no confidence, which has never happened before, mm. conservative certainly not in the Conservative Party, I think she's gone. And the and the, the crucial thing is, is any likely replacement is likely to be a harder Brexiteer mm. than her. And obviously, that's moving the pound. It's moving the FTSE. And as investors get a bit more worried, Neil, they are moving to a few safe havens. Um, main one, of course, being gold. Bitcoin, no. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of rally in gold, it's run out of steam at the $1,300 mark and it's just come off a little bit. Bonds picking up bid, you know, the boon that it's uh, high, well, the yield at its lowest since 2016. US Treasury 10 year below 2.4% again. Yeah, so the safe havens are, are, are finding bid there. And yeah, I just, I'm desperate to talk about Bitcoin. And whether I know you are. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't have told Should we let him? Because he's mentioned it twice yeah. already. Yeah. Well, what I was going to ask about that is is Bitcoin, in a funny kind of way, almost at the moment, being seen by some as a safe haven? Well, you see, that's. Well, I don't. I don't think it is really. I mean, or at least I don't think it is a is a viable long term safe haven. But it might be seen at that as that at the moment. Who knows? But I think the probably the biggest reason for the rally is that Fidelity has suggested that it's going to offer Bitcoin trading for institutional clients. And Fidelity is a massive asset manager, so I think that's probably why one of the reasons behind it. You don't need much. Of that, of those assets to be just be diverted a little bit into yeah. Bitcoin as maybe a punt or a hedge or whatever you want to say, but you don't need much in that to really force up the price. It's prices, interesting, so. Michael. I mean, yes. in general, uh, grown-up <laughs> investors hate uh, gold because clearly it kind of stands aside from all the things they spend their day looking at. I mean, Bitcoin even more so. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a deep skeptic on the, on the cryptocurrency space. I must say, and apart from, apart from being asked the barriers to entry 
you know, creating a new new crypto, incredibly low. Apparently, there are people on my on my leafy crescent in the suburbs of London who are mining, and you, you know, apparently there's you know brownouts and whatever because you know there's huge whirring of these servers going on. Everybody's at it. Um, I think actually, interestingly enough, part of the reason that the Bitcoin seems to have got a bid in recent days is that, and I forget which. Well, it's a, one of the. There's another exchange scandal, yeah. and people are saying, well, they're cashing in their chips there, and on a relative basis yeah. within the crypto space, yeah. Bitcoin is a safe haven. It's safe, yeah. But mm. you know, it stands up. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'd add, by, by the way, is when when Bitcoin was at its all time high, so more or less. 20k so it was just before christmas wasn't it 2017 yeah Mm -hmm. and i remember being asked on a a a certain national tv station they said well surely this must be great because goldman sachs are you know going to do this and we'd be offered futures on it and i say well goldman sachs are not putting their own hands in their pocket they're not investing in it they just think they'll make money trading it which i'm sure they will they're very good at making money trading but it's not a vote of confidence in Bitcoin as an investment, and that's a crucial mm. distinction to make. And uh, talking to people creating coins in their back rooms, there was that wonderful story, Chris, not so long ago, of the guy who created a currency and then died unexpectedly <laughs> with the codes, and his <laughs> heirs couldn't get hold of them. That's right. I mean, it's collective madness at one level, it's a reflection of some of the extremities in the system at another. But reality is, I quite like the barbarous relic known as gold, to be honest here. I think, I think Neil's right, it has run out of steam. That's all to do with the dollar, of course, going up. If we we do see the dollar going down because some of these issues are already discussed. I think um, gold does have a diversifier alternative profile and I quite like it here. Okay, should we talk about Uber and the unicorns? The last of the unicorns maybe after Uber's performance this week. Neil, I'm afraid I have to take you to task a little bit because oh, I'm just quoting... Oh no, uh, don't quote me. Don't, uh, don't quote something I said before. I would anticipate a big <laughs> pop on the day yeah. as this is already a fairly conservative range. Yeah, I put my hands up there. I think we thought that there would be you know, interest on the day, but it looks like markets and investors may be a bit more pragmatic than sometimes you give them credit for. And really, if you look at what you want from a company and an IPO and your predictable sort of positive cash flow and profitability or a clear route to you look at revenue growth acceleration and good corporate governance and and credible management uber doesn't tick any of those boxes you did say that it would win the day but not the war yeah it just didn't even give give anybody a bit of excitement on the day no it didn't didn't put up much of a fight at all what do you think chris with regard to the other unicorns waiting in the wings i mean postmates uh, palantir airbnb stack technologies and we've got pinterest and zoom trying to keep up momentum yeah that's right look it's ultimately just a geared play on market sentiment and and uber I think in a weird way, it was very unfortunate its timing of, of coming to the market. If it had been on a better day, better times, I'm sure Neil's sage commentary would have been absolutely <laughs> correct. Weirdly, actually, the war may be a more, and um, they've lost the battle, but the war may be more appealing for them because actually they may possibly do something which people do value over time. We'll have to see and what they price they pay for it. As for all the other unicorns, short term, um, it is all based off, off sentiment. And as we, if we get more extra market volatility, expect to see some of those names, that those IPOs get pulled. Yeah, if we yeah. see a trade deal, stability, pre-summer whatevers, because of course you can't IPO over the summer, you've got to get it out, out there before kind of early July, and then expect them to come to the market. But short term, 
it's a play on sentiments. I'm sure there's a few investment bankers worrying about it. Yeah, momentum is extremely important in the way that markets trade nowadays. And I think, you know, maybe a tell. Hindsight, obviously, with Uber, was that it priced mid-range. It didn't price at the top of the range, even though notionally, I think the books were over three, yeah. three times covered. And that probably was an early indicator that maybe, you know, sentiment had already turned. Yeah. And, but let's be honest, generically, you know, you look at some of the listing prospectuses of these these companies, and you, the investment thesis is paper thin. It's like an Agatha yeah. Christie novel, really. <laughs> I think Uber was it was down on the first tick as well. Yeah, which yeah. Was, that Actually, was really you had a little vote for your clients, didn't you? And you asked us to vote whether it would run. Did I? I said it would go down. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw it into. Turn, turn Can you talk about Bitcoin again? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, so other companies in the news. Vodafone cut the dividends. They did, and you know, it wasn't a surprise. It was it was heavily talked about in the uh, in the press in a few days beforehand. But for me, you know, this has been a slow car crash. You know, they they spent a lot of money trying to expand beyond mobile into cable and broadband and everything else. But for reasons of quad play and triple play and all of that, it is a good thing to do. Uh, the trouble is, it cost them an arm and a leg to do it. And, you know, the CFO who presided over that has now become the CEO, kind of interesting, and he's decided that actually they need to um, save a bit of money. And, and obviously spectrum costs are expensive too, so the share went from £2 and change not that long ago to now what's skulking around the sort of 130 yeah. or pence yeah. level. You know, the reaction to the dividend cut actually was, was mildly negative. I mean, I was surprised by that at a certain level, but it shows you that investors are unfortunately deeply sceptical about whether they've they've done enough yet so yeah hard times at Vodafone still a play on 5G though for the brave for sure and they're launching 5G in the UK this this, this year yeah. Yeah. July, yeah. yeah yeah so I mean they've got a lot of debt though and 5G costs are the auctions in Italy and Sweden Australia look mm expensive I think so yeah I think it's well, the, they've got costs coming yeah. well the German spectrum auction is running out of control there was a very expensive one in Italy last year um, I think people are massively underestimating the amount of capex which will be attached to 5g before you know so monetizing that investment is going to be difficult and have they done enough I don't think they have and I think that was reflected by Moody's who we probably recall downgraded mm. credit rating of, of Vodafone back in February I think and they said well, it's it's a step in the right direction, but we, they probably need to be more to be com- comfortable as that sort of triple B credit rating. And of course, you know, again, go back to this, this, the, the relatively new CEO. It wasn't that long ago he was insisting that the dividend wouldn't be cut, yeah. and, the, and notionally this thing yeah. was yielding ten percent. You go, well, yeah, the market doesn't believe. But at it. least at least they have taken the step to do it. Unlike some, you know, mm. Centrica and BT, BT, camp, yeah. and BT they will regret that, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, Mike, while we're with you, you did mention Germany. Mm. Had some figures out from. Germany have they escaped recession would you say is that what the data is telling us uh, yeah I mean there was there was construction was a big contributor to that 0.4 quarter on quarter headline but if you strip that out I mean there's still it was 0.2 0.25 something I think it was 0.24 actually thinking about it so the consumers still doing pretty well you can imagine you know unemployment's I think 3.8 percent in Germany uh, you're finally starting to see a bit of wage growth come through yes net trade is Poor, and maybe there's there's further weakness to come on the back of US-China trade, which we've already touched upon. Government spending is is quite contained, but that means that you know if, if they really felt that they needed to support the economy, there is the money there to spend. So yeah, I think it's it's looking um, okay. I mean, it, it is Europe we're talking about, so they're never going to shoot the lights out in terms of growth. But you know, I think that we've probably seen a barring any massive blow up in in US China trade, which would affect Germany certainly in manufacturing. Very very unlikely to get a negative number from Germany. 
We're quite likely to get a negative number out of Italy, though, having said that. So yes. it's, not all, it's not all roses in Europe. Slightly defies the doom and gloom from Neil on Germany, we've well, subject to in the last few weeks. The growth in Q1 was OK, and it, it's certainly an improvement from three and four last year. You look elsewhere, you look at, you look at Italy, for example. That is really where the concern probably is. And without the ECB just continuing to keep rates on, you know, negative, never mind on the floor, it seems that the European economy can't survive without this massive stimulus there the whole time. So it's hard to see how the ECB is prepared to normalise at all. I just, I think it could be years away. I like headlines that tell the entire story. Greg's on a roll. <laughs> yeah, no, very good, Nigel. I mean, it's been phenomenal. I mean, who would have thought something like Greg's, which you see on you know, many high streets, many other locations, yes, the vegan sausage roll, which obviously is what everyone's talking about, has been a success in terms of the column inches that they've got from it, I think rather than the sales per se. But to me, though, Greg's has been a medium-term turnaround story, but they've just... As all good companies do, they've just kind of expanded their range of sort of uh, consumers they appeal to, be it through breakfast, be it through drinks, be it through pizza, be it through healthy eating, um, as well as all the other stuff that they're well known for over over a number of decades. So to me, it's a classic sort of, a bit like Tesco's in their pomp, you know, they appeal Mm. to almost everybody. The trouble is... And at 20 odd quid a share, my goodness, a lot is now now valued in. What's the next trick? You know, we've now got to look out for the next innovation. But so far, absolutely. Um, uh, I must admit, I haven't tried their vegan sausage rolls yet, but I, I, I need to do a bit of primary due diligence. Top Greg's, top Greg's item. Mine's a sausage bean and cheese melt. Despite appearances, I've never actually gone into oh, a Greg's. I, I would hi- <laughs> highly recommend it. I would, oh, go, for, I would go for a classic sausage in a pound land. Good Lord, no. <laughs> A guinea world, I might have been. It's a bit like asking the Prime Minister if they know the price of a pint of milk, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll send you on a course. Yes, oh, thank you. Orientation. And if we're talking about the high street, British Land gives us a kind of overview of what's going on or not. Yeah, they do. And, you know, you had British Land and Land Securities come out in numbers. They both had sort of similar trends, to be honest, Nigel. It's superficially decent dividend yields, but... NAV, net asset value, went down. It went down because primarily stuff outside of London, they they revised some of the valuation of it, particularly, unsurprisingly, the retail stuff. But both companies are talking about putting more money into London, um, which they still perceive as being very highly excitable, particularly the sort of multi-use kind of uh, profile. So um, I, I was struggling a bit. There were big discounts versus net asset value, which for, for sort of value investors looks appealing, but obviously you've got to take a, a view on some of the sort of the, the issues surrounding the UK, the use of retail, uh, where property prices are generally and related. So, you know, both both responded by kind of the shares rolling over a bit, to be mm. honest, despite what appears to be superficially attractive valuation um, statistics. We're actually on British land property now, as we speak. That's right. We, uh, and they actually, in their in their um, presentation document, they mentioned mm. their um, their hopes. And I thought, I recognise that, that picture. <laughs> and it was, of course, of the bamboo yeah. and... And and chairs and whatever are out the front, indeed. Here in Primrose Street, who'd have thought it? Aston Martin Lagonda went into reverse. They did, Nigel. I mean, what a shock. I mean, we, you know, we talked about Uber earlier, but, you know, Aston Martin um, Lagonda, it, it floated at 18 quid and change, and, and now it's £8 a share in less than a year. So, you know, whatever the automotive analogy you wish to, you wish to you know, use for that, I was please say, apply. But Mike's not familiar can't, with Poundland. Maybe he's more familiar with the inside of an Aston Martin uh, show. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never actually been in an Aston Martin. I've got a rather like, elderly Merc, but, but for the th- record. Therein, therein lies the problem, though. I mean... If you look at the numbers, the hopes for the, the, the to make their numbers at the second half of the year, they're going to have to hawk more cars, and obviously they're putting a lot of emphasis and hope on this SUV product. And mm. you know, 
blown me down, but SUVs. I mean, the world yeah. and its mothers issued SUVs in the last few years. Yeah, it's a bit late in the day, really, to be talking. I mean, and as we were discussing actually offline, I think they've done a very poor job as a, as a relatively new publicly listed company of managing investor expectations, and that's one of the reasons it's hit this mm-hmm. roadblock, dare so I say. They, I mean, they've got, like, the... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're, they're, they're selling, like, 2,000 cars a year, and then their plan is to sell 10,000 within... Mm-hmm you know, a few years. Yes. It's not that credible, is it? No, it, it, it basically got two choices, really. I mean, we all know the way to, to pump up demand is to cut prices. You can do that, or you can have remarkably successful products. And, you know, when I look at luxury cars around the world, there are a number of different types that are quite good. People have their own personal preferences. Bond film out might, might hawk a few more Aston Martins. But ultimately, you've got to probably reduce pricing. And obviously, that, that takes away the prestige of the brand. And let's face yeah. it, the Germans are very good at doing that. Yeah. You, you know, know Merck's and all of that. It's, that's why it's still running, yeah. you see. Vorsprung durch Technik, apparently. There's a whole raft of companies with results coming out this week. Uh, we've got, uh, in no particular order, Home Serve, Seven Trent, Tops, Tiles, Babcock, M&S. M&S, yes. at Home, Royal Mail, SSE. Well, we all know what uh, uh, the issue there is with... Uh, the Labour government's latest uh, announcement. Labour government? About, uh, uh, Something happened in the... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Something's the happened. Potential Labour government's wishes for that. Uh, Care UK, Dairy Crest, Hallfords, Mitchells and Butler, Young's, Mothercare and Talk Talk. Yeah, M&S is probably the one that yeah. I'm most intrigued about. There was a city uh, note out a few days ago upgrading it to buy. They were very mm-hmm. bullish on the, the whole Ocado joint yeah. venture. I have my doubts on that. I just, you know, you just think that they're paying an awful lot of money for entry into a sector that doesn't make any money, i.e. Mm. online groceries. So I think we, we've talked about this before in this podcast um, weeks, weeks, m- months ago even, that you know the, the Marks and Sparks basket size is just too small, about, about 14 quid for, on average, for, for it to, to work as an online grocer. And you have to get households to change their entire buying habits to think, well, I'll go to Marks and Sparks for my weekly shop. And I just I just don't mm, think people are going to do that. And at the same time, a lot of talk now about Walmart putting Asda up for an IPO. Yeah, that's right, which, which makes sense, given the fact that obviously they had the massive reversal with the potential Sainsbury's deal, uh, thanks to the, uh, the CMA. You know, ultimately, back to the future, really. I mean... We're all old enough to remember when Asda was separately yes. listed. But would they um, lose their connection with Walmart not all and the it, cheaper? Because, um, of course, <laughs> they've been able to source goods. And it's such a competitive market. That could be a disadvantage, couldn't it, if they have to go it alone? It, it, it could be, Nigel. But my guess is what Walmart will do is they will have a cooperation and probably a minority stake. You know, I think that was the plan. Don't forget yeah. with the Sainsbury's combination for them to retain a minority stake. So my guess is that's what they would do. They would be the cornerstone investor and, and, as you say, have those sort of supply agreements kind of still in place. But, yeah, it's weird. How, you know, the market is a, is a thriving, innovative thing, but sometimes you just go back to where you were 20 years ago. Like Centrica shares. Mitchelson Butler, we've had a few brewers recently. Yeah, it's on Marston stockpiling six million quid's worth of Estrella beer. Which So I'm guessing we're looking, you know, it'd be interesting to see if others, uh, you know, other brewers, Mitchells and Butlers and Young, is it Young's, I think, mm, also this yes. week. So looking to see if they're doing any stockpiling. Like ever eaten at Harvester? I used to I work at Harvester. I do vaguely remember going, <laughs> probably in the 1980s, I would imagine. <laughs> Because well, that was the probably, place to be in the nineteen eighties, so no, I can imagine. I can imagine, imagine not. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think I think you know a lot of the brewers are suffering from um, all things like rising costs, minimum wage, you know, rising national living wage, hit them very hard. Dare I say it, the net migration of people from Central Europe has almost certainly impacted mm. them as well, and just raw material costs have got yeah. So they're getting people lose this as well, don't they? I mean. 
Certainly, some people do. Yeah, some people do. No, and, uh, <laughs> no one here. Retailers, Tops Tiles has just closed a branch near me. Mother Cares, another one struggling. Oh yeah, I mean Mother yeah. Cares, obviously in, in the last throes of whatever, and it's trying to find it, its role in in life and, and struggling to do that. It knows its role; it just can't do it properly. <laughs> it's more like intensive Indeed. care than Mother Care, um, isn't it? Boom, boom, boom. You're all uh, day. Tops Tiles is is of course a little bit interlinked with with renovation, and we obviously saw with the the Kingfisher numbers. Um, in the last few days that actually there is still that, that's still popping along um, you know people have been encouraged by the better weather to do a bit more DIY and related you've been in a B&Q Mike? I have actually yes. okay. good, good to hear built a shed Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That sounds, that sounds exactly. Like there was an idea again, bringing this sort of you know what's going on with sort of EU immigration. This is idea that you know because the should we say the archetypal Polish plumber is thinner on the mm. ground. Let's be honest. Generally speaking, if you're going to hire a Brit to do it, it's generally quite a bit more expensive, and I won't even get into reliability issues here. But then you might think, well, what the hell? I'm going to go and do it myself. So maybe there's another thread to the DIY sector there, which might, might be quite supportive. And we talked about Vodafone earlier, Talk Talk results this week. Yeah, that's right. And you know, they again are struggling to find how to, to be sort of the number three or four in the market. Nominally, the value player, but having to invest back into into product and services, it's been tough, and they've been squeezed. So, you know, I think some of the telecoms trends that we talked about already will be apparent there. Maybe a bid target, though. Yeah, possibly. But but then we get into the interesting notion that a lot of the FTSE is starting mm. to look as if it might, and then we start to think, well, if the pound does absolutely fall out of bed, perhaps because of political issues, do stocks ranging from the Centricas and the the raw males even start to become targets? ITVs and other ITV. sort of faded glory names. Big target of the week, Thomas Cook. For sure, Fosun. I mean, did we? Did you mentioned that last week, yes. didn't you, Chris, about yeah. Fosun and its potential? And I mean, it's looking cheap now, even with all the debt. It's probably looking mm. quite quite attractive. I mean, the results were every bit as bad as people expected. They, they were. I mean, the, the, yeah. it's amazing to me. The, the billion quid goodwill write down, get this. It was on my travel, a, 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 an acquisition they did in 2007, which Mike and I remember. You, I don't know about you now. <laughs> but um, they bought my travel for 1.07 billion. So basically, they've just admitted it was an absolutely worthless, That's pointless transaction. Absolutely. <laughs> 2007, eh? yeah. those were the days. They were the days. Thanks very much indeed to our host here in the city, Neil Wilson, Chief Thank Market you. Analyst here at Markets.com. Thanks too to Financial Orbits, Chris Bailey, Mike Ingram, Chief Investment Strategist of WH Ireland. Always good to hear from you. So if you listen to the podcast, please take a moment to comment uh, if you like, send us any thoughts or questions, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, it's goodbye.